Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapetro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. Jenny and I have a guest with us today, Pia Bhatia. She's a health strategy director. And PA is a bit of a unicorn. She works across the entire health industry, across providers, payers, life sciences companies, as well as distributors, retailers, and tech companies. And who better to tell us about what's going on in digital health? So welcome, Pia, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So in tech, there's this approach known as fail fast that companies use to quickly innovate and come up with things that the market wants. And recently, we've seen this proliferation of chief digital officers and chief innovation officers at a lot of health organizations. And they also seem to be, or at least many of them seem to be failing fast. They come in, they launch something ambitious, and next thing you know is you're reading about them departing. And so clearly, health organizations are interested in being innovative. They're interested in taking advantage of digital but they're still trying to figure out how to incorporate those capabilities and those leaders in their organizations. So imagine, Pia, that you're a CEO and you're thinking about bringing in a chief digital officer, for example, to lead your digital agenda. How do you position this person to succeed? How do you help them be helpful to the organization? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. We are, in fact, seeing that across industries, not even specific to healthcare, the tenure for the chief digital officer is about 31 months, which is, as you noted, much shorter than any other C-suite role. In some ways, that may be to be expected because transformation is hard, but it's also not impossible as we've seen in many legacy industries like banking or airlines. So what is really the answer in healthcare if you're a healthcare CEO? I think the way we've looked at it across different sectors and different organizations, there are three things that may be critical as you put someone in charge of transformation. Number one is giving them a clear mandate which is more difficult than it really sounds there. It's easy to give someone a mandate of running a venture fund, for example, because metrics there are clear. You're looking at outsourcing innovation. You're looking at financial returns. But it's more difficult when you're thinking about really transforming your own organization. Are we looking at strategic mandates? Are you looking at operational mandates? How do you actually measure the return on that? and you look at different metrics than the legacy business that you truly operate in to say, okay, this is how we will measure success. So I think that is very critical. Number two is really setting them up for success. This has everything to do with org structure, operating model, processes. What we've seen is not working is really putting the innovation person or the digital officer on an island somewhere that has no real reporting structure or relationship to your core unit. So what we would have to do in this case to set these people up for success is really making sure that they have business units that are ready to transform. So there's some incentives 
in their business units to, to work with this chief digital officer. And then the chief digital officer, of course, needs to have the appropriate resourcing and the budgeting to really make their mandate work as well. And critical ingredient number three, perhaps, is developing a portfolio approach to innovation. We do this well in large enterprises when we think about our core business units, but we are less inclined to think about a portfolio approach to innovation. Sometimes we truly think shots. When we think innovation units or digital officer mandates, we think a portfolio approach here too may help, like think incremental versus breakthrough versus moonshot. So as a CEO, three clear things before you bring this person in, give them a clear mandate, set them up for success and think what what your portfolio approach should be. Very sound advice. And I like this notion of a portfolio and the combination of longer term and near term things. Maybe if we stick for a moment with the portfolio, it's so exciting to see the possibilities of digital in an organization, everything from creating more digital front doors to leapfrogging some of the technology debt that may exist to automating some of the more menial tasks and bringing greater purpose to the jobs. But it's also a little bit overwhelming. It's like going to a buffet and everything looks so appetizing. And so thinking of the portfolio, thinking of leaving enough room on the plate to sample different things at the buffet. How would you think about some of these priorities, what to go after first in terms of innovation, particularly on the digital front? So number one is you have to tie the portfolio approach to the mandate that you're really setting up. Is the mandate really internal operational transformation, for example, then this portfolio approach should really think about, okay, what are the quick wins to digitizing our businesses, perhaps? So that may be more around automation and just digitizing and automating tasks that are ubiquitous within the organization. Whereas a moonshot operational transformation would be very different or a new process altogether. But even within this, as you were saying, What is to be prioritized is prioritization itself. The digital health market is noisy. There are many shiny opportunities. It is overwhelming, but you need a very, very disciplined approach to prioritization here. We often preach that to startup founders because their very existence depends on the success of the one thing that they're going to get right. And in some ways, even innovation efforts within large enterprises can benefit from the same type of discipline. And a very practical tool that you can build to really bring that discipline in-house is building an innovation funnel process that is dynamic and repeatable and can be used across the different internal and external process opportunities that come to your door. So internal operational transformation processes and perhaps external partnerships opportunities from ecosystem players, etc. There just has to be a sound process there to vet through those to check whether they make sense based on our mandate and develop a criteria to really say yes or no as you pass them along that funnel. Thanks, P. I think that makes a lot of sense. So let's bring it back to health entities for a second. As we look across payers, providers, and pharma you know, we see them as they develop digital products, medicines, and assets. 
would be interested to hear some of your thoughts on what are some of the barriers that they're facing here. And then as we look at it, it's not just those in health that are trying to create these digital assets and products. There's a lot of non-healthcare entities that play in this space. So how should companies be thinking about this? And what's the merit of engaging with that broader ecosystem and not going it alone and closing off? I think there's many merits, of course, of engaging with the broader ecosystem here. One, of course, is just keeping a pulse on the innovation that is happening externally. Oftentimes, we use that as the disruptors metaphor, perhaps as a burning platform for change internally. I think many times these disruptors could be partners for your company or they could be acquisition targets as they scale. And they could really prove to be an accelerant for our own transformation efforts. So for example, there was news today that a major diagnostic company is using one of these startup ecosystem partners as their at-home test collection service provider. This is improving the patient experience, something that they never offered in-house before. And now what could have been a disruptor to their business model is really a partner that's helping them transform their own organization. Really important there to just keep engaging with the external ecosystem in order to avail of those opportunities. I think another big merit is just taking advantage of all of the capital that's already been poured into innovation externally as a provider or a biopharma or even a payer organization, often software development or product development is not necessarily a core capability in-house. Of course, there's millions of dollars of venture funding going into product and software development external to the walls of these organizations. So oftentimes we see that Series A rounds, for example, are being used primarily to develop a product. And in 2021, the average Series A round was about $18 million. If you just think about it, like on average, a company spending $18 million to develop product. Now, do we in-house want to spend that same amount of capital to develop the same product? Or should we really be able to take advantage of someone else's core capability and partner for that and bring that in-house and couple it with our own competitive advantage to really bring to market a product for all healthcare consumers. So I think that's a big merit also for engaging with the ecosystem to take advantage of the capabilities that exist externally. Yeah, and as you talked through that, Pia, you mentioned different roles that folks are playing. And I think that's an important piece of it. So just understanding your role in the ecosystem and thinking about where it makes sense to collaborate and partner. Can you share a little bit more about your view and what does that ecosystem partnership look like in terms of actually being able to create an integrated offering that provides the right end-to-end experience for the consumer and also guarantees that quality? For the ecosystem vision to come true, I think you need several partners to work together, of course. And perhaps the one we can give you is the example of developing care management tools or digital medicines even as an example of a product offering that really needs an ecosystem to come together for that product offering to even scale. What really brings to light the outcomes of this digital medicine is, of course, the adoption and the scale that it will achieve. But you need so many partners in that ecosystem to work together to make sure that the end consumer actually realizes that benefit. 
For example, one partner is the FDA. You need very streamlined, clear regulatory pathways for digital medicines or software as a medicine to come to the consumer. Now, even if you have that pathway, that doesn't guarantee success altogether. Then you need the right market access folks to be upskilled in how to develop digital dossiers to take to pairs who need digital formularies and digital PNT committees to be able to evaluate digital medicine X versus digital medicine Y and really be able to reimburse for these things at scale for them to see any adoption. And of course, even if you have that reinforcement, you need some prescription platforms or distribution platforms for the provider to really be able to even prescribe these things to the patient. And then, of course, you need like the patient adoption piece of it. So this is just an example of saying, okay, well, building one product is like only half the game. Really, the ecosystem play to bring that to the end consumer is so required when you're just talking about most of these software solutions to really have the kind of impact that they're trying to have. And I think it's an interesting question to explore of really who can be that ecosystem convener in this space of all of the different stakeholders that we just mentioned. And I think it may vary by the type of solution that you're thinking of, but the right to be the ecosystem convener that is perhaps first and foremost dictated by like, do you have the consumer trust? And therefore, do you have the right to convene all of those players together to be able to orchestrate this experience for that consumer? This is really fascinating, Pia. And as we think about these chief digital officers and innovation officers, clearly they need to be visionary technology thinkers, but that sounds like that's necessary, but certainly not sufficient. They need to be able to align the stakeholders and get to that prioritization that you're describing that's so important. They need to be able externally to work inside ecosystems and convene ecosystems and figure out the right role that their organization will play Internally, they need to evangelize this product thinking, which is not easy to do. So no wonder it's such a hard job to do because you have to do all of these different things and manage all of these different priorities. But one of the jobs that they still have is to look out and kind of see what is happening in the environment and what new startups are emerging, what new digital capabilities are emerging. And determine who will be more successful, who will be a likely good partner or vendor. And that's a challenging job to do too, because it's so noisy out there and there's so much new entry that is happening and so much hype. So as you look out to the market to understand what's going on, what lens do you apply? Who do you think will emerge as the fittest in this Dervinian struggle? Is it all-in-one solutions? Is it best of breed for doing a very specific task? Is it platforms? You already mentioned that winning consumer trust is a big, important condition of success. But what are other dimensions of success? What are things to look for in a potentially successful digital player to partner with? Great question. Again, it kind of just goes back to what we are trying to achieve. But in the broadest sense of the word, I do think the industry is moving towards consolidation and platform development as opposed to point solutions. 
So as a enterprise chief digital officer or chief innovation officer, it does make your life easier if there is a platform player in the space that you are trying to work in or innovate in as a potential partner. Sometimes you will find, of course, that that platform player doesn't exist yet because perhaps that space isn't quite as mature. So it is okay, perhaps, to look at point solution companies that are really specialized in what they are doing and really excelling in their own value proposition. Because over time, either those players will become the platform players or they will at least be acquired by another platform player and you'll be able to take advantage of already having the experience of working with that partner in the particular space that you were interested in. I think definitely where there is a platform player, that could be a good place to start. Of course, if your value proposition that you're looking for is very niche and is being fulfilled by a point solution, those are also good players to look at in that context. Of course, nobody has a crystal ball to say company X versus company Y will succeed. But there are several proxies that you could look at. You could look at, of course, the cap table and look at the investors and their successes. You could look at the leadership of the organizations and how resilient they have been in their different pivots to be able to say partner company X versus Y may be a better partner. So there's several proxies there apart from like the platform versus point solution to also make an informed bet. Well, Pia, as always, we really appreciate your perspectives and insights here. I know reflecting back on our conversation, I'm I'm kind of taking away the three Ps, if you will, as we think about the role for chief digital and innovation officers. I heard you mention thinking about more of a portfolio approach and driving more towards incremental innovation, prioritization, prioritization, (laughs) and last but certainly not least, the partnerships and really thinking about your role, your strengths, other partners, and how to really convene and work within the ecosystem. So Pia, thanks a lot for joining the webcast. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I heard a fourth P, which is product. So a framework is emerging, which is always exciting. Very well summarized. (laughs) Excellent. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.